Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome back to the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Pelican Built Tough. For all situations, go to pelican.com. Yak Gadget. For all your fine kayak fishing accessory needs, go to yakgadget.com. Eastport Marina on the beautiful shores of Dale Hollow Lake. For all your lodging, kayaking, and fishing needs, go to eastport.info. Now let's get this show started. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Bass Fishing for Noobs here on the Paddle and Fin Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Sean Lavery. And I'm super excited to be with you all this evening, uh, get, getting to sit down and talk about something that I am officially definitely a noob about. Uh, I've been wanting to do a show uh, on this topic for a while, and uh, uh, this uh, this week finally gave me the opportunity. I, in, in the host chat, we have a, a Facebook group chat that we kind of toss ideas for shows back and forth and stuff. And I, I mentioned in the group chat that I was thinking about doing a show uh, about fly fishing uh, because I've... I've only kind of dabbled very lightly in it, and uh, I kind of shot around a message and said, hey, guys, who should I talk to uh, about fly fishing? And the answer was unanimous. It usually isn't. I usually get a ton of different answers, but almost everyone told me who to reach out to. So I wanted to take this opportunity to welcome, um, for those guys who've listened to the podcast for a while, um, this gentleman's been on on uh, Brian's show quite a bit. Uh, he's been on the uh, our anniversary shows. He's kind of like the staple guest for those. Uh, almost the first guy that uh, we kind of ping for that. But this is the first time he's appeared on the Noob Show. So I wanted to take a, a moment and uh, welcome Mr. J.D. DeRosiers. Is that how you say your last name? I, yeah, you nailed it. <laughs> before I put you back in behind the scenes, I was like, oh, crap. I forgot to ask him how to say his name. And I, I thought I remembered it, but I, I was like, oh, looking at the spelling, maybe I can screw it up. So. <laughs> no, you nailed it. Good job. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, welcome to the Noob Show. Um, uh, appreciate appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate you coming on. Um, for those uh, listeners that are kind of uh, noobs themselves, uh, why don't you let the folks know who you are, kind of where you're from, and uh, how you got into fishing, if you, you know, can you know cover that quickly sure yeah or as, or as deeply as you want to <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh jd rogers uh, again i appreciate the opportunity to come on to this show uh, really looking forward to talking to you guys about fly fishing uh i've been in the kayak fishing industry for quite a while now i, I would say you know probably nine years but seven years sponsored by various teams uh won't really jump all off into the teams <laughs> so we can get um, so we can get more deep into the conversation, but, uh, I live in upstate South Carolina. I'm based out of Greenville, South Carolina. I live on a small lake. It's a water reservoir for Greenville County. It's literally 120 yards off my back deck. That's so, awesome. <laughs> um, fishing is, is, is what I've grown up doing. Uh, 
I grew up trout fishing with my grandfather as a, as a child and then moved into bass fishing with my dad. And then he got me into saltwater fishing and I fell deeply in love with that. And, uh, like I said, about nine years ago, just kind of dabbled around with a kayak that was laying around with my buddy's house and fell head over heels with it. Uh, picked up a wilderness systems ride 115 and the rest is history. Um, I've been kind of full circle inside the kayak finishing industry. Um, everything from, you know, pedal drives to motor drives. Um, now I'm all about the inflatables and inflatable scene. Uh, but yeah, I really love it. Um, I'm strictly a fly fisherman now. Uh, I haven't really, I don't really pick up my, my traditional tackle anymore. Uh, it's just kind of how I do my thing. Awesome. Awesome. So a, a couple of things there. Um, I know when, when uh, I first started hearing about fly fishing, fishing wasn't something that really went along with that, but you know, the more I've looked into it, the more I've read about it, it, it definitely is, is very popular with bass fishermen. Uh, not just like I was thought that that's a more of a trout thing, uh, but um, it, you you say that that's pretty much all you do, even for bass fishing now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I've gotten more this year into the bass fishing uh, aspect of fly fishing. Uh, it, it's been a kind of a I like it because fly fishing, I'm constantly learning, whether it's tying lures or flies or bugs or whether it's learning like a whole new technique for, for chasing bass, like that's kind of foreign to me, but I've recently built a, a rod set up for that. It, it's been fun. Um, I've, I've learned how to tie like double articulated flies, kind of the bigger, you know, five to seven inch type fly instead of a small size 14 trout lure. Okay. Um, and how does that, how is that, uh, uh, did you transition to fly fishing into the kayak or you already had that kind of dialed in? Cause I, I think that would add just one more challenge to fly fishing, doing it from a kayak. Uh, I would say I they, they kind of went hand in hand. Uh, okay. I, I did kind of gravitate, uh, more time to the river and wade fishing, uh, for trout for probably six months. But as soon as I was comfortable in it had a good cast down on several different types of rods. I instantly jumped right back into my kayaks and I've never looked back. Uh, I love it. I mean, it's fun. It's, it's more simplistic. I don't have to carry as much gear out on the water with me. Um, I actually only carry one box when I'm chasing bass or brim, uh, on, on the, on the kayak. So okay. yeah, I don't have to have a black pack or, you know, I don't have to carry 18, plano boxes with me or anything like that 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 does sound really appealing because uh if anybody likes to overpack it's me so <laughs> if i you know if i have a, an excuse to keep it simple i think that that could be really good uh, i'm almost afraid to see where this rabbit hole goes would go for me man because but no i'm excited to learn so um if you were uh when you got started you know I, if you can think back to then with fly fishing like what what were the, some of the things, uh, like wh where did you start? Uh, so I, just hanging around the local fly shop was, was huge to me. And I, I, that would be the number one thing I would tell somebody getting started in the industry or, or trying to get into fly fishing is hang out at your local fly shop, get to know the guys. They're obviously there for a reason. They're packed full of knowledge and wisdom. They might not know the kayak aspect side of things, but that's okay because our knowledge of that can help bridge, bridge that gap. And that's exactly what I've done with my local shop, uh, which is Dotson Fly Fishing. Uh, and, and they've been fantastic. Uh, there's probably 50 years of experience inside of that shop. And it's really good just to tap into their knowledge and let them help you because you'll progress so much quicker. Like, like we were talking about before, before the show started learning how to cast just that basic technique and getting the rhythm of, of casting. Those guys can speed that up 10 times over. And I think that's like the biggest, the biggest thing that helped me was, was hanging around those guys. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, and that's kind of cool. Cause I'm sure there's some aspects of, fishing from a kayak with the fly that you can teach them that, you know, it, you know, maybe open up that horizon to them. So 
maybe you'll be the go-to kayak guy at the shop someday, you know? Yeah, it's, it's already happening. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's been great. I mean, they've, we're going to do a kayak fishing seminar up there. Uh, they've brought in kind of a, it's like a micro raft. Um, it's made by star. Uh, okay. NRS on star, but it's, um, almost, it's a one person raft basically, but it's got two oars on it instead of a kayak paddle. Mm-hmm. So okay. it's like a cross between the two, but yeah, I mean, just being able to, like when I'm up at the shop, I can instantly talk to a customer about that okay. and how it can be an advantage to them. Oh yeah. That's cool. So you, yeah, you're already the go-to guy. That's great. Um, and, and I've, I've seen a few, uh, different people that are running the, the star inflatables. Uh, I think mm-hmm. Jeff little was for a while, uh, yep. if he's not still. And I know Brad Hicks from pal and Finn was, was trying it out too. So yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I uh, after Brad kind of jumped in, that kind of got piqued my interest. Cause I was looking for something that I could, uh, you know, actually deflate and put in the back of my wife's van for the trips that I can't take my truck. So uh, it seemed like a really good fit there as well. So definitely something I want to check out too. But uh, yeah, I, I love the star. Uh, I, I recently bought one. Um, I had a boat, uh, Aero HD paddleboard. Um, it's an inflatable. It's it's been super nice. It's been great. Uh, but I wanted to. Uh, I have a Larry chair for it, but I also wanted to do more kayak and then paddleboarded. So I, I actually talked to Brad a little bit about his boat the star okay. rival mm-hmm. and uh I, I i bought the exact same boat just a different color and okay. it's a perfect it, it's an exceptional platform for fly fishing because it's very open very simplistic there's nothing to snag your line on uh and it's it's unbelievably stable it's like standing on the floor in your house it takes like eight pounds of pressure bro, blow up the main chamber and three pounds on your side chambers and you'll fall off the thing before it rolls. <laughs> <laughs> and and I was thinking about that too. That uh, it it being kind of an open canvas would really lend itself well to to fly fishing because uh, like I know uh, when I had test paddled the Mayfly, uh, the Jackson Mayfly, at one point in time they had talked about that it was purposely designed for fly fishing to try and have like a kind of not as many places where you could snag your line as your stripping line. We can get into that and everything, but. Um, as soon as I saw the inflatables, I was like, well, that's even better because it's kind of like a blank slate if until you do what you want to do with it. And if, if that's what you want to do with it, I think keeping it wide open, you know, for the most part could be really good. Yeah. I mean, on mine, I'll only, the <laughs> only thing on the, any of the attachments is a paddle holder. I've got one Yak Attack Roto Grip sitting off to the right side. And other than that, it's completely clean. Okay. And are you mostly paddling there? Or are you uh, powering it with like a torpedo or? No, I'm, I'm paddling it. Yeah. You're paddling. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And I like it because I can, it stands up and it performs like a paddle board. You know, it's just that stable or like, you know, like a nice stable kayak, or you can flip the seat back. You can unlatch the front two straps on the seat and flip it back out of your way. And you've even got more room. So it's, it's pretty neat. Cool. Cool. All right. So jumping into, to fly fishing. So, um, I don't even know where to start. I, I, I know a little bit about <laughs> the types of the, the kinds of rods. I know, I, I know they, they go by like weight. Is that correct? Is that, that is kind correct. of categories? Okay. Yeah, that, that's right. And uh, for like trout fishing, you're looking at like a lower, like a two, three, four. And for bass, you would might want to be a little higher. Yeah. Say for trout, you would want to do for like creek fishing. We'll, we'll break it down. And we'll just go the full gamut from two to 10. So like two and three weight and uh, two and three weight would be creek fishing, like backpack, backcountry, chasing blue lines is what we call it. Uh, That that's a perfect platform. Those rods are anywhere from six foot to maybe eight feet. Uh, Every now and then you'll see a nine footer, but it's pretty rare. Um, And then four weight, is a good in between between five and three. So I, I love a four weight. That's one of my favorite rods. Three is probably my absolute favorite. Okay. And then uh, five weight is for bigger rivers. Uh, 
like uh you could chase trout on that you can chase bass largemouth spots on that and then you'd be pushing it so like think of it like a five weight would be like fishing for bass with an ultralight okay so that's that's kind of how it would relate um and then you get into your six weight and seven weight that's really good for bass fishing uh, you can chase on a seven weight you can chase largemouth smallmouth uh, any any species of bass. Uh, then you can also transition over into uh, chasing sea trout or red drums, redfish, flounder, any of your inshore species. Uh, eight weight's good for that also. And then when you start getting into like your nine, 10, 11 weights, you're looking at bigger like musky fishing or bigger saltwater species, tarpon. Uh, that would be like a 10, 11, 12 weight. Um, for tarpon and uh, bonefish, all that. I remember uh, one of the, I was out on the Susque, Susquehanna last year and paddling past a guy and uh, he saw, I, I have to see that he had a, a fly rod with him. And I was like, oh, you're fly fishing out here. He's like, yeah, I'm fly fishing for musky. And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, Woo! yeah, I was like, that has to be a patient, patient person right there. Because <laughs> to, you know, try and get a muskie, let alone doing it by the fly on the river. I was like, wow, that, you know, to actually purposely go out and target it like that. I was like, you must be a very patient person. He just laughed and, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but that, yeah, that's cool. So, um, and you mentioned like, uh, like the four being ideal. Uh, and I wanted to ask you one of the questions I had heard, or one of the things that I had heard, I, I, I mentioned when we were talking before the, the show that, uh, my first experience with uh, attempting to cast a fly rod, my daughter had a, a in her science class, they raised uh, brook trout um, and then they had, uh, they raised them big enough to release. And then that we went to this park that uh, uh, they had a bunch of uh, vendors there uh, for the release day. And one of the vendors was a fly fishing outfitter and uh, they had a bunch of rods there and they had them, taped up so you didn't have to pull line or anything and you're there just kind of teaching you that motion um and <clears throat> it was really neat to me to just just do that part and but i it, it made me really think like i don't know how i could do this on the bank of a creek with like limbs over my head and stuff like that um on the river it seems like it might be a little easier because you know but i i could still see it being a challenge especially you, you throw a wind into that uh equation and it just seems like it'd be uh, definitely something that would take a lot of practice, but it definitely uh, does. Uh, uh, I, there's a cast called a roll cast. Um, it's where you, when you're on the river, it's it's made for when tre tre trees or limbs or bushes are right behind you. Uh, you you bring the rod up and you form a D with your line, and the rod is vertically straight up and down. And you kind of just flick it forward like you're throwing a dart or hammering a nail into a wall. It's just one quick bang forward. And it'll that water, the water will load the line and the rod and allow the parabolics of the rod to work. And it'll just shoot the line forward. I mean, That's I know guys that can roll cast 40, 50 feet. Wow. So, and, and yeah, that's, I mean, I, I can't imagine the, the time it takes to, to get good with that. I know I, I, I told the listeners, like when I first started learning to bait cast, I would just, anytime I would cook on our grill, I would just take my bait caster out in the backyard and just keep throwing it and throwing it while I was cooking on the grill until I got to where I could do it reliably and without bird nesting and, you know, felt really comfortable with it. So I think, you know, if when I do pick up fly fishing, it's going to be the same thing. I'm just going to just sit out in my backyard and just practice these different casts and like i know the the basic one that they were teaching us had to do with clock positions like I, I i can't remember off the top of my head if it was 10 to 12 10 to 12 10 to 12 or like 10 to like two or something like that uh 11 to one ele okay okay that's, that that's sounds... what i tell people 11 to one okay and um so i i know uh that um leads me into another thing that i you know, kind of heard a little bit about, and, and that is that the line is, is very specialized in, in fly fishing because that's where your weight comes from a lot of times, right? That's exactly right. Um, your lures, 
for for trout fishing, your your flies they they weigh nothing. Like, let's see if I can get this right. Like that guy, I know it's blurry, but that is a big fly for trout. Um, that's like a size I don't know, maybe ten hook. Okay. But but like you know a small a small lure for bass is like that that size. And that's and that makes a, that's called a sparkle minnow. So it okay. actually imitates a minnow and it'll form it'll it'll form real small like that. But that would be small for bass. Okay. Um but that actually has weight in it. So it doesn't weigh much. I mean it it you might be lucky if it weighs a quarter ounce. Um, okay. Maybe. You know, I would say that one there probably no way it doesn't weigh that. But yeah, the line is is everything. So there's floating line, there's sinking line, there's intermediate sinking line, uh, there's bass specific line, there's saltwater specific line. Uh, it's that's again, that's what I loved when I got involved was just learning everything about it, just being a sponge, and it was like starting all over. And it's, it's, I'm just still learning, you know, it, it's, it's fantastic. I mostly throw floating line. Okay. Um, your, your line matches your rod and reel. So like on a three weight, you're, you would buy a line. It would be like W three F. So it would be weighted forward three weight floating line. Okay. Um, these, these like descriptions are on the boxes of line and fly lines, very expensive. I mean, but you you're buying an investment. You don't have to your fly line if you take care of it and you clean it and condition it. You know, after every trip or every other trip, for a regular person, it could last you two or three years. But you know, it's a hundred dollars a shot for good fly line. You can buy a cheap fly line for forty fifty bucks, but it's not going to perform. Um, there's like anything. There's the science and technology behind it. But all of my lines on my rods are floating lines besides one, and that's my bass rod or okay. bass inshore rod. It's a seven weight. I have seven weight reel, seven weight line on it, but it's an intermediate sinking line. So the head of it, um, so the head of the line is where the line ends and transitions into the main area of the fly line. It is weighted. And it's an intermediate sinking line. So it's like one one thousand, two one thousands. That's about the sink rate of it. Okay. Um, and it's it's good because again, you're throwing larger lures, you're you're stripping line in, you're you're throwing, you know, lures that are moving and darting around. Um I, I've never thrown anything that for for a bass that sits on the bottom and you jig it like a you know like a, a brush hog or a you know a jig and pig or anything like that or even a shaky head i'm sure there's definitely techniques to do that but i'm not familiar with it yet interesting interesting and i know you mentioned there's something else that i i is specific about uh fly line is that the diameter changes over the length of the line correct that or is, sometimes i guess yeah yeah that's it that's right and and with fly line you on your, well, let me, I got a rod right here. Yep, yep, yep. Ooh, get it out of the ceiling. <laughs> get it out of the ceiling, man. <laughs> so that's the reel. This is my three weight, and it's very simple. This this is a, called a click paw reel. It has no drag in it. I slow the fish down by paw, palming or pawing the reel. But that bright green line, that's actually, uh, the backing and it's like 25 pound yeah it's probably 25 pound test uh dicar backing and then it moves into the line itself this line is is a uh, let me get it in camera it's different colors and it's transitions to different colors because by sight you kind of know um how far out your line is it's all okay. the same diameter on that particular line. It's just about a visual type thing for the angler. Um, and then from from at the end of your line, it has a perfection loop, and you tie your leader onto it. 
So some guys make their own leaders. Some, a lot of, most of us buy our own leaders. Um, I buy three packs of leaders like they're going out of style. Uh, I usually uh, buy like seven and a half foot long or nine foot long leaders. And I typically match them to whatever, like uh, you, you match those to your, to your line also. And then from the leader, you tie um, a double surgeon's knot with a piece of uh, tippet. Sorry. Tippet. I was going to ask you where tippet came into that because I've heard that term before and I was like, well, okay, so how does that fit in? And the tippet actually is almost, it, it disappears on the water. So that's what <clears throat> will fool the fish to think there's an actual bug out there. Um, it's the diameter is, is almost in, invisible. I mean, even holding it, you can lose it. Like if you drop it in the woods or you drop it on the water, you may not find it again, but it's wow. cheap. I mean, it comes on, it comes on spools like this and we all carry, you know, three or four or five. Some guys carry six or eight different ones with them. Okay. Um, but that's, yeah, that's what makes the bug look like it's just sitting there or just floating along and current or whatever. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. Okay. And is that also matched to your line size or your real size or your, uh, your, like your rod size, or is that pretty generic? No, it's all matched up. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, that makes yeah. sense that, I mean, that, that, that keeps it easy anyway. You know, if you're, if you're shopping, you know, well, I have a, yeah. a three weight rod, then I need three weight line, three weight, uh, leader and three weight tippet, you know, that yeah, seems it's a, like it's, a, it's go pretty ahead, straightforward. Yeah, no, it's a little, it's a, it's a little confusing with the leader and tippet because you don't, there's the weight kind of goes away. Like the three weight or four weight, it moves into what we call X numbers. So five X, six X, seven, eight X and eight X. And then it can go down to like zero. So zero X is, equivalent to like uh maybe a fluorocarbon line for bass fishing um it has that like you know 20 pound break rate on it where a 6x line it'll break it like guys please don't quote me on these numbers of breaking because i can't keep them all straight <laughs> but you know it might it might break it like th three pounds a pull or four pounds a pull maybe um, 8x breaks at like 1.8 pounds a pull and that's exactly the same way with your your tippet so your tippet and your leader they match so if you're tying on a 6x or a 4x then leader then you match that you you tie on a 6x piece of tippet with it and your tippet you know you can make it as long or short as you want because it's on the spool um, I usually, it depends on what style of fishing I'm doing. If I'm chasing trout in the back country, I'm throwing a, um, with my three weight, I'm throwing typically a six X leader that's seven foot long. Um, I've got Creek line on, it's got a shorter head, so it picks up and throws quicker. And then my tippet will also be six X, but I will shorten it up. So instead of it being like for bass, or different style of trout fishing, I might th pull six feet out. Um, instead, I'll pull like three or four feet out when I'm chasing creek fishing, chasing blue line wild trout. Okay. Just because everything's so much smaller and it's tighter quarters, you want to be able to throw and make a good cast. Right. And have yeah. everything. All the, yeah. All your line has to fit into a shorter distance. So you don't need, you know, many feet of everything whereas on the yeah. river when when you might be trying to cast further then you do want longer lengths of each section right right because like when you're chasing bass you or or big huge trout like 30 inch trout or you know that six pound bass that's playing and running around chasing fish off its bed you might be making a 70 or 80 foot cast and you can easily do that like my seven weight it'll throw it'll throw every bit of 80 feet Wow. And that's with wow. a big double articulated fly on the end of it. 
No, I and then like in the, you know if you see fly fishing in the movies where it looks like the guy has eighty feet of line up a, up above <laughs> his head doing all sorts of crazy stuff, you know, <laughs> how often is that the case, or is it more like I know when I was talking to someone about doing it on the small creeks and stuff, they're like, nah, you know, you're not really doing that on the like like I would think the roll cast, you're not going to have a, a huge amount of line above your head. It's going to be you know just enough to kind of get out into that creek where you need to go. You're not looking yeah. at like you're looking at maybe a 20, 20 yard cast max. Max, um, maybe not even that, you know, you're right. talking 20, like a, when you're creek fishing, you're throwing anywhere from 10 feet to 30 feet. You know, it's not far and you're, you're roll casting or you might have enough room to where you can tuck up in the bush and make like a false cast. That's what, what you're talking about where they're whipping the line up above their heads a lot. That's called false casting. Um, with Creek fishing, you, you might false cast one or two times max. You'll spook the fish. I mean, the water's, right. gin, the water's gin clear and, and they're looking straight up. Um, they're looking for those bugs to land on the surface. So if you're winging that thing over their heads a couple of times, they'll spook and you're not going to catch them. So, I only try to make one false cast and then present two's okay. Um, there's no rule, but the, the the quicker you can get it out there and, and on the target, the better. And like you said, you know, practicing in your yard, that's, that's huge. I used to practice for, like you said, I'd go out and cook outside. I'm grabbing a rod. And, All right. I got four minutes. So I got to flip the burgers. Let's throw. Exactly. Yeah. No, but, um, I, go ahead. But with like bigger, you know, when you step up five weight, six weight, yeah, you're, you can make a lot more movement. You're throwing that false cast in behind you more. Um, and then and you're with, not, you're not worrying about as much close quarters and spooking fish than either. I imagine as much. Not, not so much. I mean, yeah, you're right. I'm not, you don't really have to worry about spooking them that much unless there's a river in Tennessee that, that, it is notorious for holding enormous fish. I mean, striper and bass. I mean, striper and trout are in there. And you have to be careful with those big trout. The striper, they're a little more forgiving. Um, but the, those big trout, they're smart. And they're big they're for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're making, you have to be able to hit an eight inch target at 70 or 80 feet. Wow. And I'm like, man, I don't know if I'm ready for this. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that would stop me from trying, but it would probably keep me from being effective anyway, for sure, for a while anyway. It's pretty uh, impressive when you see a 30-inch a fish swimming upstream. Oh, I can't imagine. Yeah. Um, uh, you mentioned stripping line. Like, uh, to my understanding, that's um, where you're kind of working the line to get more line out as you're bringing it forward and back, forward and back, you're also stripping line off the reel and allowing that to flow up the rod into that what's above your head to kind of get more distance or get more line out. And then when you say, when you make, you say you present, that's actually the cast where you, you're actually putting the full amount of line out to try and hit the target. Is that right? That's right. Yep. That's right. So it's, uh, you get some line out you know, by stripping it out, working it on the water or in the current. If there's current, that's a lot better because the line will pull out easier. And then when you pick up, it's like I was saying, 11 to 1. It's very rare that I throw straight up and down. Um, even like when I was traditional fishing, I was very much a sidearm caster. And okay. I still throw a lot of sidearm fly fishing. It's, it's not uncommon. Um, so, you know, from like 40 degrees to flat at your waist, that's kind of where I hang out. Okay. Um, and a lot of the guys that I run with, that's kind of where they, they run. They, um, it's just, it, it keeps you from getting hung in the trees. Mm -hmm. And if the wind picks up, which it's going to pick up, it, it allows you to, the, the lower you can keep your line the easier it is for you to punch through that wind. Gotcha. Um, we dealt with that yesterday at a casting demo. Um, we were, we had a huge and enormous event here in, here in the upstate and our fly shop went up there and, 
we were throwing in 10 mile an hour winds all day long, but we were still able to get beautiful cast out to 50, 60 feet. Wow. Uh, and it was just by keeping the line low and that's what we were, we were teaching people. Um, okay. But yeah, so you strip line out, like you pull it off the reel, and uh, you, you kind of hold it in this hand, your, your left hand if you're right-handed, and you make your 11 to 1, 11 to 1. It's almost like dancing. It's like 1, 2, 1, 2. And my buddy Todd West ta taught me that, and as soon as he did, it just all clicked. Um, you're, you'll actually feel your rod working. Uh, the parabolics of the rod will start kicking in, when you get in that rhythm and it'll almost click in your hand, like, and once you feel that two or three times, you'll never, ever forget it for the rest of your life. And then once you get that basic cast down, we start teaching people how to what's called single haul. And that's where you feed on your forward cast, you're feeding line to the rod. So you're coming forward like, <laughs> like that. <laughs> And you're feeding it. So what's stripped in front of you, you're slowly feeding it out. And I won't say slowly because in two or three false casts, you may feed 30, 40 feet of line. And then when you present and present your cast, you may suck up another 50 feet. Wow. Um, okay. That's how, that's how you can throw 70 feet with these rods or, you know, I've seen guys throw a hundred feet plus and it's pretty amazing. Um, and then the most advanced cast I would say is, is the double haul. And that's where you're, you're not only feeding it on the forward cast, but you're feeding it on the back cast. So it's like a double feed action, like kind of like that. Okay. And then, and then you can really get out the line. So you may have 50 feet of line piled up at your feet and then you make two false casts and that 50 feet is out there laying in front of you and you're, and then you, you can strip the line into you. So instead of reeling it back on like you would traditional fishing, most of the time you're, you're pulling it in by hand. Um, and it's called stripping. You're stripping, 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 stripping. Uh, so it's just stripping that lure back in. So okay. you, can make it, you can make it do anything. A fly will do anything that a conventional lure will do. And then if, once you hook up on the fish, um, you, can, you got two choices. You can fight the fish and bring it in by hand and, and reel them in this way. Okay. Or if it's a big fish or you get nervous or whatever, you feel more comfortable. You let all that slack line gather up and you keep tension on the rod and you bring them to your reel. And then that's where you, you work your reel in. Uh, most, most fly reels, besides these small creek ones, they all have very, very nice drag systems. Um, all my reels have carbon fiber drag systems that are, you know, double, triple, quadruple stack. And they'll handle any, I mean, my seven weight will handle, it'll easily handle a 10 pound redfish. That we had just talked about the, 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 the most difficult cast, the double haul. Yep. Double um, haul. And uh, I forget where we were right when we broke up. Do you, do you happen to remember? Yeah, so I think uh, we were kind of wrapping up that that talk about the double haul, but that's that's how you can get so much line out quicker. You may have 50 feet of line piled up at, at your feet, and you're feeding it on the back cast and the forward cast, and within two false casts with a weighted intermediate line, you may, you'll throw all that 50 feet will be gone. And then okay. soon, as soon as the, the the lure hits or the fly hits the water, you're stripping line in, and that's how you're bringing the fish. That's in. how you're working the motion or giving the, the motion to the bait, and also then once you do hook up with the fish, that's how you're bringing in. But you also mentioned you know letting uh, the fish run with it, and then to the point where you're actually can reel it in potentially. Yep. Okay. Yes, exactly. And that always confused me because I, I had heard people tell me, oh, you, you just hand line or hand pull in your fish. But I, then I saw people reeling and I'm like, okay, well, I guess sometimes, you know, they must do it that way. But it just um, depends on how comfortable you are and how big the fish is. I mean, if I hook up on a seven pound bass, I'm taking him to the reel because I want to land that thing and let the reel wanna, do all of its magic. 
you know. Yeah, let the drag work, right? Exactly. Now, I was curious when you when you're saying about stripping and kind of piling it in front of you. Is there a technique with that of so that it's not just a big jumbled mess in front of you, or is it is that just something that it, it tends to if you do it or properly it lays the way it's supposed to that way it feeds out back out the way it's supposed to no i mean i've never i'm not gonna say never but very very rarely do i ever run into a problem with my line like nodding up or piling up and causing a problem in my cast interesting um, okay you can i just some, like saltwater fishing or um a lot of a lot of times we'll float in like three man ass down rivers uh some guys will wear what's called a stripping basket. Uh, it's just a belt and it's got a, a piece of plastic, you know, maybe as wide as you are with some little fingers sticking up in it. And you can strip your line into that. So it's not piling up at your feet or um, some guys will strip into like, especially saltwater guys, they'll strip off into a bucket, like a five gallon okay. bucket. Gotcha. And that, and that, that right there is, what makes sense when you're talking about having an open layout kayak. Cause you know, obviously if you're stripping line into a pile in front of you on a kayak and there's, you know, all sorts of things in the way I could see where that would get a, uh, get to be a mess very quickly. Yeah. You'll hang a footboard in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> that is, it seems like I was thinking about, you know, pedal kayaks in particular, that just isn't going to work. Yeah. Cause I mean, that sounds like you'd be stripping right into where the pedals are and yeah, all sorts of headaches there. Yeah. I would, uh, I would say you would definitely want to wear a stripping basket if you're, if you have a pedal drive, um, not saying it definitely hundred percent can be done, but I would highly suggest wearing a stripping basket or you're going to have yeah. major issues. <laughs> that sounds like it could be, I mean, I have enough trouble with line management on a regular ride. I, I, <laughs> I know that's definitely going to be uh, 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 something that's going to take me a while to learn, but okay. Well, that's, that makes a lot of sense. So, so we've covered rods, we've covered lines. Um, I know there's a bunch of different types of lures. I've heard the term like wet fly, dry fly. Yeah. Uh, Can I look at some? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to blow you up so that, because they don't need to see me if we're talking about this. So, <laughs> so this, is, this is the size box that I carry when I'm out by myself. It's called a, a boat box. It's very big, um, but it'll hold a, a ton of flies. Uh, let me open this thing up. So you can see one side's oh, yeah. kind of full, the other side's not so much, and then it has a whole nother side that is <laughs> not full. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but these flies here are all dry flies. Um, they're yeah. large dry flies, so they're made for chasing really large, uh, big bluegills and bass um so these guys this oh, pull, pull one off so everybody knows um a lot of people have heard of poppers oh yeah um so like you know rapala makes a pop r well this is the fly version of a pop r um but it's it's fairly large um, yeah sorry about blocking the head no no i'm all over the place here it's, but, it's reversed it makes it real tough. I know, i'm trying to <laughs> but there you it, go it, you know, it makes a boom, boom, boom sound. Uh, yep. It's got nice long legs on it. It's got a very long tail on it. It's all foam. Um, it'll last forever and ever. So that's that's very, very good for smallmouth, largemouth. Um, I have several of those. And then you get into stuff like, like this guy. There you go. Yeah. That's a... Uh, it's, it's replicating a big bug. Um, one of the coolest and funnest things about fly fishing is the names. So this thing is called a chubby Chernobyl, <laughs> <laughs> which is hilarious. You know, I mean, who would ever think of that? Right, um, right. But it's black and purple, and the, and the yarn is for being able to see it a long ways off. Okay. Um, but it's made of foam, and then it has purple on the bottom as an attractor. Awesome. Uh, I know th those are you, you, you purchasing those or are those actually ones you tie yourself? 
Uh, those were so the poppers, the 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 popper I bought, um, the Chernobyls I've tied, and then this guy I tied. Um, this is called a stimulator. Okay. It's a traditional trout fly. Okay. But we I've tied it larger to chase big bluegill. Like I'm talking two, three pound bluegill. Awesome. Um, but it's got a nice wing on it. That's what this part is replicating is the wing of a fly. And then I tie a lot of what's called flash into it. And then again on the bottom it has uh the sparkle chenille. Right. So awesome. But I love tying. I never thought I would get big into tying, but I'm head over heels for it. So now let's look I, at I, some. Go ahead. I, I was going to say, I, I, I've heard that that sucks you into. Like every person I've talked about fly fishing immediately goes to, oh, I, you know, I, they say the same thing. I, I didn't think I would like tying my own flies, but as soon as I started, it got addictive. And now I love doing it. So it's and I'm sure. I'm sure when you catch something on something you tied yourself, I mean, that's makes it all the more special and like an awesome experience so that's full circle right there <laughs> yeah so let's get into bigger flies so these are the biggest flies that i own okay excuse me one of them i tied um the first one that i'm gonna show you i tied but the second one i cannot tie because it's too complicated uh let's see if i can get this whole thing in here look at that that coloring on that's awesome so it has a cone head which is has some weight in it and then internally inside the body, I have lead wire wrapped into it. Um, and then I have, come back over here. <laughs> I'm doing so good. Come on, JD. Um, there you go. So I put this sparkle, it's a very large sparkle. And then mm -hmm. there's this marabou, which is um, it's, it's dyed barred marabou. And then a little bit more sparkle sparkle and then yep. the tail so this fly will swim and it'll articulate you can jerk it really fast or you can strip strip and let it pause and sink almost like fluke fishing kind of gotcha. but it has it's got two sets of hooks in it okay uh, so i run a smaller hook in the back and the larger hook in the front i think that's nice right. um so this guy this is this is where it gets crazy. Um, so the <laughs> head of this fly is phenomenal. Um, that is all deer hair, and oh, it's wow. been it's been trimmed with a razor blade to give it that nice, cool looking. And then yeah. it gets a little longer, and then it's got the marabou tied into it, and then uh, some some hidden marabou that's not barred. It's just a solid color with flash. That's the to hide the articulation point and then the fly the tail of the fly alone is that long so that's wow. you know that's almost as long as my index finger just that section and then you can see it's got all these legs that hang off of it but this is a big fly um it's, it's quite that large. looks like <laughs> small mouth candy to me right there yeah small mouth would devour that a large mouth <laughs> will devour that uh, a, a dumb muskie might would hit it. <laughs> There's not many of those, you know, muskies, a, a fish of a 10,000 cast. Right. But, uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of the basics of, of, of the different types of flies. Uh, and that, what makes it dry versus wet? Like, uh, is that so the, the foam and the material, the foam will make anything float. Um, and then like that poly yarn, that was on this guy, the Chernobyl, mm -hmm. that poly yarn will also make it float. will help it float. But the foam will really, really make it float. This, so a, a dry fly is one that's intended to float or be on top and a wet yes. fly would be something that's intended to sink or be subsurface. That's right. Okay, so the, that makes the last, the last two I showed you, those big <laughs> articulated flies, those are, those are wet flies. So those are made to be, ran from two inches under the water is or as deep as you want to take it awesome okay and it and i guess you would tie those on that the countdown line or the you know something that's going to sink or yes okay yeah. that would be okay. on i would only throw those on my seven weight okay 
Awesome. Awesome. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other basic questions that I was thinking of. Go ahead. Uh, here's a really small, I think this is the only, oh no, here's a really cool small lure. So this is a trout fly. See if I can get it on camera. Let's see. Camera, where are you? Focus. There you go. So well, that's uh, that's pretty small. That's about the size of my thumbnail. Wow. Um, but it's got a lot of detail in it. It's, yeah. It's packed full of detail. This was yep. given to me uh, by a famous tire at, at the Atlanta Fly Fishing Expo this year but it, it's it's really cool it's uh it, it's a dry fly it's got a little parachute on it that's what we call that post it's so you can see it and then they wrap the hackle around the bottom the feathers are wrapped okay. around the bottom of the fly gotcha and then it has a small tail but this that's like superb for trout fishing that's really neat. I, I can't imagine getting good enough where you can tie them with that level of detail. That's that's a pretty cool uh, – I mean, I can see where people would go off the deep end into all the different things <laughs> that you can tie into it and all the different looks. And, like, I, I remember I, I was talking to a, a guy from our church that does it, and he was telling me about tying different types of nymphs and all sorts of insects that they target. I've, he had a really, like – looked like a bumblebee to me, you know, it – Oh yeah, if, yeah, it 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 was really cool looking. So yeah, I mean, you're taking a bare hook and tying <laughs> it to whatever your mind can imagine. Like, you know, you start getting into like super nice feathering. I mean, this is like pro grade, high end whiting farm feathering. But this pack right here, you'll tie two thousand flies off of it. Um, but. Yeah, it's super fun. I never, ever imagined that I would get into tying like I have. Um, but I was, we do every Thursday night at our local shop, we do a fly tying night. So okay. we, we take a raspberry pie camera that my buddy fabbed up and we broadcast onto a 70 inch TV. Uh, we have enough room for 20 people. Uh, the shop supplies vices, tools, and material. We say we're going to tie uh, an elk wing caddis this week or whatever, a stimulator this week or elk hair caddis, excuse me, whatever we're going to tie. And we just move at the speed of the class. And we have 10-year-olds all the way to 70-year-olds in there. And it's it's just a lot of fun. So I, I, I kind of just hung around. Um, I love photography. So I was up there just shooting images, hanging out with my buddies, and then it was funny. My wife, um, right before our last anniversary, last August, she was like, I feel bad. I, I think you, you, you should start tying. And I was like, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> I was like, I've tied a little here and there, just playing around. And lo and behold, she bought me a, a super nice vice for our anniversary present. And now I'm neck deep in it. You know, <laughs> these packs of feathers are all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's so fine. that was that brought me into another question like how do you um if if folks wanted to look around their area like what are the kinds of things you'd search for or like fly tying clubs or uh fly fishing clubs i know the the lady that i actually ran into at that seminar told me about a club in my area uh to to check out and so that's how i kind of got information from my local area but if if i hadn't run into her what, what what's your recommendations i guess first i would Google search and see if you have a, a, a shop around you. Cause that seems like probably Absolutely. the easiest way. Um, yeah. I would definitely find your local shop and then you can get involved uh, with your local trout unlimited group. Uh, trout unlimited is huge in the fly fishing world. And just because it's called trout unlimited doesn't mean everybody's in there trout fishing. Uh, they're doing everything. Usually they're covering the full gamut. Um, there might be, a handful of people that only trout fish, which is, you know, that is fine. But yeah. you you can learn a lot from, from a local chapter like that. Um, here in South Carolina, there's three chapters along. But like okay. out in Colorado, there might be 20 chapters in that state. 
just because the the scene is bigger. Pennsylvania right. probably have quite a few chapters in Pennsylvania. Yeah, I know. And here in PA, we uh, there's definitely bodies of water that are or parts of creeks that are fly fish only. Mm-hmm. Um, so I imagine having that that there are plenty of you know local chapters and and those kind of resources around uh, if if you would look for them. So yeah, it's it's super easy. You can go to Trout Unlimited's national site. And you can type in your address or your zip code and it'll pull up all the chapters around you. And okay. they usually meet once a week. I'm sorry, once a month. Um, so like the chapter closest to me is called the mountain bridge chapter. And then they, they host you know, cleanup events. They host seminars. They, like we were talking about, they do trout in the classroom and they go on fishing excursions. So it's, it's, it's a good thing. And they're that all about really uh, preserving cold water fisheries. Cool, cool. Well, um, I'll definitely include that a link to that in the show notes so that the folks listening can check that out. Um, uh, anything else you can think of, uh, like uh, that would be good for a beginner to know or to try? Or uh, one one question that I was going to ask you, and and the lady I was talking to, I was saying, okay, I'm going to go out and 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 try and buy a fly rod. Um, she first she cautioned me. Do not go cheap. She's like, if you go cheap, you're going to hate it, and then you won't get into it. But if you spend a little bit of money, uh, you know, she said, you know, and and she said, I lose a lot of people right there. But uh, she said, if you spend a little bit of money, make that investment up front, you're going to love it way more than if you go cheap. She said, you would, it would you would more often than not uh, get frustrated or not like it as much. Is that? kind of sound like the same advice you would give yes i would so there's there's different approaches you can you can buy most rod companies orvis reddington these guys they they have uh kits um, like a field kit it's a it's a a rod with line on it and, and i mean a reel with a line on it and a rod and it's all combined together cabela's makes the same thing um, but they're not your highest performing rods, you know, I mean, they'll get the job done for sure. Um, but I, I agree. Um, if you can just guys, just think of it like, you know, you're going to buy a new bass rod. I don't know. Bass rods cost what? $150, $200 nowadays or more, uh, for a good one. Uh, so put that into your fly rod. So like, for me, I would highly recommend it. Like for somebody getting started, spend 250 bucks on your rod, get a Douglas LRS. Um, it's a great performing rod for, especially for the price point. Uh, yes, 250 is a lot of money, but this rod will last you for the rest of your life. Um, 250 is a, a good price point when starting fly fishing. Uh, these rods will go up to. I mean, you can buy rods that are $1,500 if you want to. Wow. But do not start off doing that. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're not, you know, a beginner's not going to know what a $1,500 rod can do for them. Um, I, for me, I don't know what a $1,500 rod will do for me. Uh, uh, but the Douglas LRS is, is fantastic. It's a great-looking rod. It's very pretty. Um, it performs really, really well. And then – I would suggest if you're going to trout fish, just buy, buy like a four or five weight. I would probably lean more towards a five weight. I think everybody should have a five weight in their arsenal. Um, it's just like comparing, we are talking all these weights. It's almost like having different traditional rods. I got a jerk bait rod. I got a top water rod. I got a shaky head rod. So that's the same thing with fly fishing. It's just weights. Uh, but a five weight will do a lot. You can go catch brim on it. You can go catch smaller largemouth on it. You can catch smaller feistier smallies on it. Um, and you can catch plenty of different size trout on it. And then from there, you'll very quickly pick up on what you like and don't like. Um, you'll learn like the actions of the rods are just like traditional rods. There's fast action rods. There's slow action rods. I think uh, for me, I think a beginner should start off with a slow action rod. Uh, they're more forgiving. 
Um, they'll, you'll get your, your loop in your line. You'll, you'll learn that quicker. Um, you'll get better at casting quicker with a, with a slow action rod. But again, you'll quickly progress. All right. I want to throw further and harder, or I want to be more accurate. Um, so you might move up to a medium action rod or, or, or a fast action rod. Uh, but yeah, I would say like a Douglas LRS, uh, Orvis has got some nice entry level rods. I mean, they all do. Um, it's just how much do you want to spend? But that, that 250, that's a good price point to look at. And then you got to think, I got to buy a reel to go on this thing. So, um, Reddington makes, you know, some nice composite reels that are, you can get those for a hundred bucks or you can step up and kind of get the same thing, but, uh, it'll be machined out of aluminum. That might be like 150, 180, or you can step up and go ahead and get something, you know, fairly nice. And again, spend 250 bucks. And then you, then you got a really nice setup that's going to last you a long time. So my first setup guys was, uh, uh, was a five weight. Um, I bought a Douglas DXF and then I put a Sage spectrum C reel on it. Um, all I mean, it was, it was quite, quite the investment, but I still have the rod now. Uh, and I will always have it. I've had it for three years and it's not going anywhere. Um, it's a five weight and it'll do anything I want it to do. And I can throw 60, 70 feet with it. I've actually thrown a hundred feet with it, but I think it was kind of luck, but, <laughs> but I, I definitely learned real quick that, uh, my style is, is creek fishing. I love, I love to creek fish more than anything. Like if you, if you were to come down and ask me, Hey JD, man, what are we going to go do this weekend? We're going to go creek fishing. If you leave it to me, we're going to go, we're going to the back country and chase wild fish. Um, or, or we make, I love chasing bluegill on the fly. That to me, that is absolutely a blast. You stick a 13 inch long fat bluegill that's dark purple on a dry fly. Oh, yeah. That's a handful on a three weight rod. <laughs> you may take him to the reel because it's such a handful, <laughs> but it's so much fun. Uh, I, I, I sit there and do it a lot in the backyard, you know? mm -hmm. but I would say that's, that's kind of where I would start with it with a VFI weight. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Um, and just to echo kind of what you were saying about, you know, if you, you make that investment, um, this is a rod that you'll, you'll have. And, and that the, the gentleman from my church that I talked to about that said the exact same thing. He's like, this is a rod that my grandson will use. You know, it's yeah. something that you can pass down. It's that, that kind of, uh, you know, durability and, you know, that's what you're getting when you make that investment. So. Exactly. I mean, they're heirloom pieces. I mean, some like my my really really nice rod is nine hundred dollar rod. I have like a four hundred and fifty dollar reel on it, um, but it's a Douglas Sky G. I got it this past February, but it is it's a piece of art. You know, it, it is beautiful. It's burled wood. You know, in in the rod seat is all burl wood. It's it's very very pretty. And I'll, I'll cherish that thing forever and I will hand it down to my granddaughter. That's awesome. So, all right, man. Well, we are right about, about the hour mark. So um, thank you so much. I, I think that definitely gives us, you know, anybody listening a good, a good starting, a place to start and, and some resources to, if they want to dive into it, right. You know, where they can kind of get that journey started. So I appreciate that. Um, I wanted to give you give you a chance to shout out uh, any sponsors uh, or anything else you wanted to to you know plug as uh, well as just, uh, where folks can find you on social media. Okay, yeah, I appreciate it, the opportunity again. Um, please give Brian a hard time for me because <laughs> I love Brian like that. Uh, yeah, JD DeRosiers on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, please, if if anybody has any questions or you want some advice or you just want to talk and chat it up about fly fishing or kayak fishing or just life um hit me up i'm, I'm an open book anybody knows you uh, that knows me will tell you the same thing I, i'm just i, I want to spread my knowledge of everything i've learned in my life uh, with as many people as i possibly can 
Um, and I, I, I couldn't be where I'm at without my sponsors. Um, I, I, I love all of them. Um, Sims, Yeti, uh, Douglas, Trexel, or Trestle, excuse me. I always say it, the X for some reason. <laughs> it's, it's not right. Uh, NRS uh, recently joined their team, providing media content for those guys. Uh, ben and Branches, absolutely love those guys to death. Um, at Sage, Rio, and everybody else has stood behind me for many, many years. Uh, big shout out to my, my fly fishing family, my wife, who is my rock, and, and of course, my Lord and Savior. Awesome, man. Well, uh, if you don't mind hanging out uh, in the, the background here for a bit, I just had a Absolutely. few more things I wanted to run by you quick. But, um, guys, uh, thank you again, JD, for coming on. I appreciate thank it. You. Uh, definitely tons of great information. Uh, guys, uh, if you uh, make sure you check out JD, I'll, I'll list uh, his uh, social media and the show notes as well as uh, some of his sponsors. So you can check them out as well. And uh, as always, thanks for listening to Bass Fishing for Noobs here on the Paddle and Fin podcast, where we bring you the techniques, the tricks, and the tips to help you rip more lips. Thanks, guys, and have a good evening. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode here on Paddle and Fin. Be sure to drop a five-star rating, a thumbs up, or smash that subscribe button on any platform you're listening in on. Be sure to check us out on Waypoint TV, waypointtv.com. Make sure you sign up for the Fantasy Kayak Fishing League at paddleandfin.com forward slash fantasy. You could support this show through Patreon, patreon.com forward slash paddleandfin. Don't forget to check out the website paddleandfin.com. Catch us on YouTube. If you got a question, comment, or want to see a future guest on the show, be sure to email us at paddleandfin at gmail.com. Shout out to our show supporters, Yak Gadget. You can check out all the fine kayak accessories at yakgadget.com. Pelican Professional. For all your cases, coolers, and lighting needs, go to pelican.com. Rocktown Adventures your Midwest premier paddle sports destination, go to rocktownadventures.com. Eastport Marina, the beautiful destination on Dale Hollow Lake. If you're looking for lodging, kayaks, kayak accessories, or anything fishing related on the beautiful Dale Hollow Lake, go to eastport.info. And Jigmasters Jigs, when in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and fill your tackle boxes today.